Dead Ahead. Written and narrated by Jason Wallstrom. Chapter 5 Henry came to life. His eyes opened and he sat up. He immediately squinted at the pulsing light. Turn the lights back to normal! The light pulsing stopped but stayed red. Henry hopped out of bed. Turn that red shit off! I can't see properly, please! The lights changed back to their previous color of a warm white. Henry then noticed a similar tiny blue light that was in the bathroom. It was right above his father's dresser. Henry walked over to it to address Proto. What's happening? Threat level 3, crane level. Outbreak escalation possible. Report to office area for further update. Yeah, right, Henry thought. He didn't want to leave this room if there was some kind of a threat. He fought the urge to hide in the bathroom but he quickly tucked that thought away deep inside his head and tiptoed downstairs to the office level. When he arrived, he could see that Proto had already changed the monitors from channel 39 to surveillance mode. In the center screen, he could see the top-down view of the crane control room. He could see the elevator doors in the shot. He stared for a moment, then scanned the other monitors. His demeanor quickly changed from panic to puzzlement Uh, what am I supposed to be looking at here? Henry looked around for the same blue light that was upstairs in the bathroom and the bedroom. Aha, he found it right below the center monitor. At first glance, anyone would probably think it merely a power button, but he knew now it was Proto. Was it an eye? Could it see him, or was it a microphone to easily pick up his voice? It reminded him of the HAL 9000 right out of 2001 A Space Odyssey. But this was different. The blue light was much smaller, almost like it was hiding in plain sight. The abacus sound started and lasted about ten seconds till finally, Proto spoke. Please look at center monitor. Henry Peter Hubley, acting manager. Henry didn't think he ever truly looked away from the monitor. He wasn't missing anything. What was he supposed to be seeing here anyway? There it was, a shadow. A shadow of a moving figure. But the camera was in such a position that Henry could not see who the owner of that shadow was. Proto, move the camera so I can see that. The abacus sound. Camera is under manual control. Henry found the remote on his dad's desk and called up four directional arrows on the touchscreen. While staring at the monitor, he thumbed the arrows. The point of view of the camera slid to the right, revealing Ernie the crane operator. Ernie was standing facing the elevator doors. He lumbered closer to them. He pressed his ear to the door. Holy crap, that's Ernie! He's still alive! Henry said. Monitor 1 blinked on the familiar top-down shot of inside the elevator. There inside stood dead Kenneth. He was banging on the door with his fists. Bang, bang, bang. A pause, and then... Bang, bang, bang. Ernie disappeared from the camera's POV for a moment and then reappeared wielding a fire axe. Henry's eyes widened at the sight. Was he about to do what he thought he was going to do? He saw that Ernie was saying something 
and then swung the axe into the left elevator door. With a thunk, the axe was embedded, and Ernie began to pull. Henry again recalled the film Die Hard, when John McClane opened an elevator the exact same way. No, 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 what, what is that idiot doing? Henry looked around the desk for the comm button. He searched for the crane operations comm and found it, but it was too late. He could see on the monitor that Ernie had gotten the door open about a foot of space. Ernie, stop! Henry knew what was on the other side of that door. Unfortunately, Ernie did not. 2. When the Triton Express struck Engine 32, it was the last thing that Ernie had seen before the intense pain in his chest took over all of his faculties. He struggled in his crane pilot chair. His left arm was seizing up in an intense, red-hot pain. Ernie had blacked out. He should have been dead. He thought he was dead when he woke. His head slumped to the right. He had no idea how long he'd been unconscious. There was an intense ringing in his ears. It was so deafening now that he acknowledged that it was there. He tried to shake it out of his head, but all he could think was, Engine 32. Did he move it? Did he complete his task before he passed out? His glance around the room told him no. He had failed. The building was on lockdown. He had seen lockdown before during drills. A lockdown usually meant something bad had happened. It meant there was a chemical spill or something hazardous like an explosive detected or possibly a devastating accident. Like a train wreck. Thump, thump, thump. What was that? Ernie thought. Thump, thump, thump. He knew it had to be Big Anthony. He was stuck in the elevator. Betty got stuck in there when the power went. Ernie knew that he had to help Big Anthony. Thump, thump, thump. Ernie tried to stand but fell to his knees lacking the power. He swayed there on his knees a moment, searching for the will. Lord God, Jesus, give me the power. Thump, thump, thump. Ernie gripped the armrest of his chair with both hands and pulled himself up. He winced in pain as he rose. He stood wobbling, facing the wrong way. He ignored the bank of monitors in front of him, the steel shutters blocking his view outside, and he turned 180 degrees. Thump, thump, thump. I'm coming, Anthony, don't you worry. Ernie is coming for you. He took one labored step toward the elevator. He rested his two hands and leaned on the door and leaned his head against it. How was he supposed to get this thing open? The hub was on obvious lockdown. There was not supposed to be a way to get it open. Besides, how could he, especially in his condition? Ernie stood there for a moment. The flop sweat was starting again. His breathing was labored. He'd better watch out. How many people survived two strokes in one day? Ernie thought about his wife, his sweet Sarah. She had told him when he had had his first mild heart attack that he was outside in the street holding his left arm, walking aimlessly. Sarah ran outside to meet him. She asked him what he was doing. He merely answered, Dad's on the roof. His ladder fell. Sarah had put her arm around him and steered him back towards their yard. When he was on the porch, she called the ambulance. Ernie's dad had died of a heart attack. He had been dead for 15 years. 
Ernie's stroke caused him a mild episode of memory displacement. That is what the doctor had called it. Ernie thought he was a kid watching his dad shingle the roof. The ladder had fallen and little Ernie was too small to stand it back up. He tried, though, but his dad was marooned on the roof of their two-story home until the neighbor came home and propped the ladder back up for him. Ernie, now a grown man with heart problems, was on his way to his dead father's house to pick up that ladder and lean it against the house to help him. Ernie saw the fire axe on the wall near the utility closet and lumbered towards it. He pulled the heavy red axe off its bracket, and then the head immediately fell to the ground clanging on the floor, the handle twisting his right wrist in an uncomfortable manner. He pulled it up with both arms to waist level and shoveled back to the elevator doors. Thump, thump, thump. Hang in there, buddy! I got your back! He grunted as he raised the axe over his head and then swung it like a baseball bat into the left elevator door. The axe blade sunk deep into the thin metal housing. He let go of it for a moment and it stayed put. The handle sticking sideways, he began to pull on it. Without much effort, thank goodness, the door began to give. It slid to the left, giving about a foot of space for him to work with. A flash in his memory. Had he done this before? Was it a year ago? Something had happened, but what was it? The power went out in the tower. Yes, that was it, wasn't it? Big Anthony was stuck halfway up the tower. The elevator was almost to the crane operations floor when the power went down for... What was it? Hours? That's right, something happened. Something caused it, but what? Ernie remembered now. Mr. Hubley had said that Big Anthony was the unfortunate victim of bad timing. The tower was doing a full computer system maintenance for 30 minutes. No reason to even worry about it. The power would be off and on during this routine. Everyone was supposed to stay put, but Big Anthony didn't want to be stuck up there for lunch. He could work up there all day long, but as soon as you told him he would be stuck up there with no way of getting out, he would start to freak because Big Anthony was mildly claustrophobic, and he began to panic after only 20 minutes. It wasn't hours at all. It was minutes. Big Anthony was stuck in the elevator for 20 minutes when he started banging on the doors. Ernie was in the break room. It was lunchtime. He was sipping down his warm soup from his thermos when he heard the thump, thump, thump. Ernie was stronger then. He had his strength. He pried that door open using a crowbar. He stuck his right hand down there and pulled a thankful Anthony out of his predicament before he completely lost his mind. Anthony stood outside on the deck until the power returned. When he knew he could leave any time, he was fine. It was all in his head. All of this happened before. It wasn't happening now. He was having another episode of memory displacement. Damn it all. Then what was happening right now? What was that noise? Ernie, stop! Ernie turned toward the wall-mounted speaker that was just below the camera that Mr. Hubley watched him on. But it wasn't Mr. Hubley. It was that damn kid of his. A hand reached up out of the elevator and grabbed Ernie's right foot. Ernie pulled it away quickly. It had startled him. Henry's voice boomed over the loudspeaker. Get back, Ernie! One of those things is in there! 
The hand was reaching up out of the bottom of the elevator. It wasn't level with the door, but dead Kenneth could almost reach Ernie's foot. Ernie caught himself peering into the doorway. He could see dead Kenneth's eyes. They were glowing red. He found himself transfixed by the red glow. Ernie could not take his eyes off of Kenneth's eyes. A part of him wanted to. A part of him wanted to back up even more. But instead, he took a step forward. What the hell are you doing, Ernie? Get back! The thing is dangerous! Dead Kenneth now stood perfectly still, staring directly at Ernie. Ernie stood as if in a trance at the red eyes. He had no desire to back away. The glow was so inviting. It was calming, even. He could hear her in his head. Was that his sweet Sarah? Give in. Let go. Come closer. Ernie got down to his knees. My God, Ernie! Mr. Mr. Evans, please stop! The calm stayed on this time. Henry's panting could be heard. Ernie smiled so peaceful, so calm, so inviting. Was that Sarah? It was. Come closer. Let go. Ernie stuck his head inside the doorway to greet his lovely Sarah. And in a flash, dead Kenneth grabbed Ernie by the face and pulled his entire body inside the elevator. Ernie never made a sound. There was a pop over the speaker. Henry had released the button. Henry watched in horror at the image that was being captured by the elevator camera. Dead Kenneth could be seen ripping poor Ernie's jugular out in conjunction with a gleeful primal howling sound. Henry kept his eyes closed tight, and with his ears covered, all he could hear was his own heartbeat racing. He started to mouth to himself, mumbling like a madman, This isn't happening! This isn't happening! This isn't happening! His eyes popped open to see that it was indeed happening. Ernie was dead, and everything was real. Dead Kenneth released his grip on Ernie's lifeless body, and it thudded to the floor of the elevator. Kenneth then turned his attention to freedom. He grunted and leapt up toward the open doorway. Henry startled, uncovered his ears, and got close to the monitor. Oh, shit! Proto, close the doors now! Henry started to look uneasy in his stance. He was hopping around like a little kid that desperately needed to relieve his bladder. The abacus sound started. Unable to close doors. Henry looked around for that damn blue light. Why the hell not? Panic was setting in. Henry Peter Hubley, acting manager. Door will not move when prompted. Please fix manually. Henry saw on the monitor that Kenneth had fallen back to the floor of the elevator, his full weight crashing down on Ernie's dead corpse. Blood splattered across the elevator walls. Kenneth immediately popped back up and tried another leap but failed. No matter what, he knew. Even if it took a thousand times, the dog always got out of its cage. All it took was determination, and this dead creature that was once his co-worker showed no signs of ever giving up. As far as Henry knew, the crane operations level could not access the office. He would still be safe if Kenneth got inside the crane level, wouldn't he? Still, there was a break room in there. 
no doubt with some extra food that he could use. There was even a soda pop machine in there too. Wait, could he even get down there? It's not like he could take the elevator after all. The only stairs that he knew of went straight up to the apartment. There were no stairs that went down. Were there? Proto, is there any threat to me up here? Henry's throat was dry. He made a painful swallow. The abacus sound again. Many variables. Please rephrase question. Henry slumped. Ah, if that thing in the elevator... Ah. Henry, impatient, grew tired with his attempt to be a smartass. Gets into the crane operations level. Can he kill me? Calculating. There is a 51% chance that threat could cause harm. The abacus sound continued. Many variables. Please restate question. Henry grew frustrated. He kicked the box at his foot that had been knocked off his dad's desk earlier. His right foot met the box with an unmovable thud. Henry's face turned red and his mouth widened into an O-shape. Sweet Jesus! He fell to the floor, nursing his foot. He stared at the brown paper-wrapped box. What the hell is in that thing? He wondered. No time for that now. Proto, is there anything on the crane level that is necessary for me to survive? He nursed his sore foot. Crane level operations offers access to crane control, junction boxes, and electrical fuses. Crane operations offers access to all network function of computers and temperature control. Henry sat there on the floor rubbing his foot and mulled over Proto's information. He turned his head to the monitor. Kenneth was still trying to climb out of the elevator. Each time the dead man was almost free, he fell back down again. It was only a matter of time until he was free. So it's an important part of the tower, Henry sighed. Is there a way to get down there? Some stairs or something? Henry scanned around the office from floor level. Did he miss something? Please look at central monitor. In case of emergency, there is a hatch located under the conference table. Please watch for diagram. Henry saw an orange-lined illustration on a black background of the hatch door. The animation showed that he needed to lift the carpet and pull the hatch up, and there was a small tube that had ladder steps that led straight down to the crane break room, just above the table. He could do this, couldn't he? He could do this. But what if he managed to get down there just in time to meet dead Kenneth and have him rip his throat out? No thank you, sir. He needed a plan. He knew now that the crane level was important. Granted, but he also remembered Proto saying that there was a 51% chance that Kenneth could harm him. Did that mean that Kenneth would eventually find his way up that secret ladder? Could that thing that used to be Kenneth smell him? Was it like a hound that would never give up until it reached the source of his scent? There were so many questions, but Henry didn't have much time. Kenneth would be up and out of there at any moment. Henry popped up and stood on his feet and winced for a moment at his sore right foot. He quickly limped into the boardroom. At first he thought to shove the giant table aside with all of his might, but there was no chance he could budge the heavy object. So he hopped down on all fours and crawled under the table and found his way to the center 
and began tapping around the carpet until he heard a hollow sound. Sure enough, there was a cut in the carpet. He pulled it up quickly. He was already sweating. This was some scary shit, but if he took even a moment to think about it, he would lose his nerve and most likely lose crane operations to that thing down there. He couldn't have that. Just think how much extra diet Zolkola was down there in that machine, Henry. Just think how many snacks are down there. There's probably snack cakes in that machine. He had distracted himself enough that he was going through the motions. He found the latch and opened up the hatch. He peered down the hole. It looked like a good drop, probably 30 feet down, maybe. He could see light at the bottom. That was the table of the break room down there. He gave himself no time to think. He would lose his courage if he did. He stuck his feet in the hole and cautiously gripped the first rung of the ladder. He slowly made his way down, making sure, in fact, not to look down. Henry wasn't one of those afraid-of-heights people, but he was also not a natural athlete. In fact, he avoided physical movement as much as possible. He was probably a quarter way down the shaft when he realized just how tired he was. His weak hands holding up the weight of his body. His right foot already throbbing. Keep going, you asshole, he thought to himself. Another step, then another. He was almost there. Don't look down, almost there. Then he heard it. A grunt. He froze in place. He listened for a moment, a snort, then a thud. It's not in there yet, is it? He took a slow step down another rung. He heard it again, another grunt, then a sloppy sound. It sounded like an animal, some creature hurt, maybe frustrated. He knew that it was Kenneth. He wanted to ask Proto if it was on the floor now, but he did not. He barely had the strength to hold himself up. His entire torso was vibrating, his muscles ready to give out. This was the most work he had done in a long time. His foot took another step, but there was no rung there. He felt around wildly for it, but there was nothing there. He was at the bottom. He wanted to look down, but he was losing it. And then he did. Henry fell and landed on the table on his back. The small round table legs gave way and crashed to the floor. Henry wheezed for air. He had the wind knocked out of him. He couldn't yet sit up. He gasped for breath. He pictured Kenneth arriving at the doorway, seeing him lying on the floor. Such easy pickings. Henry would be dead in moments. 3. That moment did not arrive. Henry's breathing came back. He took it in slowly and then sat up. He used the nearest chair to help pull himself to his feet. He didn't feel like he'd seriously injured himself. Good. He quickly peeked out the break room doorway and found the elevator to his left. He could hear Kenneth, still there in the elevator. Thank God. He still had time. Henry tiptoed towards the elevator doors. He could see the axe stuck to the left door. It was stuck horizontally. Would it give way if he pulled it out? Would he be able to even fix it? He probably should have thought about this before he came down here, he thought. Besides, there was no escape for him now. The table in the break room was broken. He certainly wasn't going to take a running jump at that ladder above the table to his freedom. He was stuck down here until he fixed this more immediate problem.
He needed to get those damn doors shut and he would be safe. He must. Henry was just to the axe handle when he peered into the doorway. He didn't know why he wanted to look. He knew what was in there. It was Kenneth and a very dead Ernie. It was a bloody mess. Don't look, he told himself. But he did anyway. He only wanted to peer in for a moment. He caught a glance at Kenneth. He was just about to take another leap at the door when it saw Henry. It made a sound. It sounded like meep, just like the Roadrunner cartoon character, and he sprung forward, its left hand grabbing at one door and its right hand grabbing at the other. It had a fine grip and it was using its feet in a running motion to get tread up the side. Henry was startled and fell to the floor. He could see Kenneth's head starting to rise up into the door frame. Get up, asshole! Get up now! He thought to himself. He started to stand when he noticed its eyes. Its glowing red eyes. Dead Kenneth held there for a moment. He now had Henry in his gaze. And he was in the tractor beam. When Henry saw those red eyes, he didn't feel terror or fear anymore. He felt release. Or better yet, he felt like all the fear could end now. It could all be over. It was like a contract. It could all be over if you just take a moment to stand still and let me eat you, kind sir. The red glow seemed to offer peace. Henry's eyes widened. He couldn't move. He was a sitting duck. But he didn't mind anymore. It'll all be over soon. What was it about that light? It was so inviting. So much better than the cold blue light that Proto offered him. You can end it all now, Henry. You can let go and see your dad in heaven. There was still a heaven, right? Gosh, he still hoped so. His father might be disappointed in him for not sticking it out, though. I mean, he did climb his fat ass down the ladder so he could live, so he could munch on the snack cakes that the machine offered, right? I mean, there was still some Zolt Cola to drink, and he had plenty of food. Maybe he could stick it out for a while. Maybe he could... Kenneth was almost up. He showed no signs of straining, though. Its dead body had plenty of strength, unlike the living Henry. It could hold on for as long as it needed to, until it had its prize. Henry. Oh man, I'm going to be a filling meal, he thought to himself. He suddenly had the urge to laugh, and that was enough. He broke its gaze for a moment. He was free. He stared at the floor for a second trying to get his bearings. What the hell had just happened? No matter, he wouldn't make the mistake of looking at him again. Henry sprang to his feet and grabbed the axe by the handle and shoved it to the right. He needed to get those doors closed. Kenneth wasn't having any of it. His head was in the way. Henry couldn't get the damn doors shut. A flash in Henry's memory recalled one of his favorite films, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. There was a moment in the film when the witch was trying to come out of the fruit cellar, and the hero Ash had to kick it in the face like a soccer ball. It was played for laughs, and it was hilarious. Henry knew what he had to do, and with as much force as he could handle, he kicked Kenneth in the face as hard as he could with his sore right foot. A disgusting wet thud could be heard as his foot met flesh. Kenneth flew backward to the floor of the elevator. 
Henry snarled. He was full of adrenaline now, and he was angry. He wanted this shit over with. He grabbed the axe with all of his strength and shoved it to the right. The door was now starting to give. Just as it was about to close, a hand reached out and grabbed Henry's sore foot. He looked down and yelped at the same time. That actually startled him really good. He could see that it wasn't Kenneth. Kenneth was about to take another leap. No, this was Ernie. He had reanimated, and he was on his feet, and he too wanted to have him a belly full of Henry. Henry pulled his foot away and kept pushing on the door. It was still about six inches open, enough for Ernie's arm, still feeling around for Henry. Proto, close the doors! He could hear a manic thumping against the door, and then he had an idea. What if he returned power to the elevator? Proto, activate the elevator! Elevator access granted! Elevator online! Henry could hear the elevator rise, and Ernie's arm with it. It rose up to Henry's waist level. No, no, are you crazy? Henry now saw the other hand of Ernie pull on the door, and he heard the thud of what was probably Kenneth, too. Proto, sit in the elevator! <gasps> he gasped for breath. Send it to ground level! They were coming. Complied, and the elevator sank downward. Henry saw Ernie's arm lower, and then the arm was severed as the door finally closed, sending a fine red mist across the now sealed elevator. Henry finally released the axe. His arms were on fire, and he felt immediate relief. He was out of breath, and he slowly slid down the wall. He couldn't help but stare at the lifeless arm, and then felt another relief. It was over. He did it. The threat was gone. They could stay forever at the bottom of the elevator shaft for all he cared. Oh yeah, Proto, please cut the power to the elevator. Complied. Elevator has been shut down. With that, he let out a sigh. Henry sat on the floor for a good twenty-five minutes before he finally stood. He had gathered his strength and his hands had finally stopped shaking. The come down from an adrenaline rush could be a real bitch. He had wandered around the crane level, carefully inspecting the area for things he could use. With the shutters closed, it wasn't very well lit in there. But besides the two crane pilot chairs and their banks of monitors and controls, there was little else except for the restroom, which actually did have a small stand-up shower, and then the break room. The break room had the crushed table and a few chairs and two vending machines and a refrigerator. Just to the right was a utility closet. Henry looked inside and found what looked like to be a lifetime supply of toilet paper and paper towels. He could definitely use those if he was going to live in the tower for a long time. And he could no doubt use everything that was in the vending machines. He was reminded of his promise to himself of snack cakes. And he took a glance inside the window of the machine. Sure enough, there was a row of chocolate granana snack cakes. The kind with the cream filling. Oh yes, they looked delicious. He was probably going to have to break the damn thing open. Which was no big deal if he could find something. But the number one question right now was how the hell he was supposed to get back upstairs to the office level. He walked over and stood atop the broken table. He glanced upwards at the dark hole above. 
and there was a tiny pinhole at the top with the tiniest glimmer of light. How in the hell was he going to get back up there? He was already exhausted. He sure as hell didn't want to sleep down here. He didn't want to be down here any longer than he had to. He then went back to the utility closet hoping to find a ladder. Glancing around, there was a mop and a bucket and a water hose and even a plunger. Some bottles of cleaner, but there was nothing in the way of a ladder, a stool, or anything to stand on. There was a sinking feeling. He was so tired, so exhausted. His arms felt heavy. Too much had happened too fast. He was seriously thinking about crying, but he didn't. He went and sat down on one of the break room chairs and took a breath. There on the floor was the remote to the break room television. He bent down and picked it up and turned it to everyone's favorite channel. He smiled when he saw it was an episode of Knight Rider, one of his favorite childhood shows. It was about this guy, Michael Knight. He drove an indestructible badass Trans Am with an artificial intelligence named Kit, which stood for something that Henry was having trouble remembering. He could look it up on his laptop later. Or hell, he could even ask Proto. She would probably be able to tell him. Oh man, it was one of his favorite episodes too. Kit versus Car. An evil nemesis of Kit. An interesting side note was that Car was voiced by Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime of the Transformers cartoon and movies. Henry would have gladly told anyone this information if anyone was alive to hear it. Funnily enough, Henry did remember what Car, K-A-R-R, stood for. Night Automated Roving Robot. Why did he remember stupid shit like this? He couldn't answer that question, but he knew that maybe one day he would be able to impress some girl with this knowledge and maybe quite possibly it would get him laid. He laughed to himself for a moment. The smile quickly disappeared as the dark thought there might possibly never be a female in his life ever presented itself. They were all dead, weren't they? Shut up! Henry looked down at one of the metal broken table legs on the ground, and without thinking he picked it up and smashed the snack machine's glass display window. The glass shattered easily, the entire pane falling in a lovely cascade to the floor and into the bottom of the machine. Henry tossed the chair leg to the floor and grabbed his pack of snack cakes, and then sat down and opened the pack, carefully tearing open the plastic pouch. He savored each bite as he sat and watched Knight Rider. He told himself when he was done, he would find a way back upstairs, and if he accomplished this, he would find something to load everything he needed into it and hoist it back upstairs. And he needed to plan carefully to make sure it was easier to get down here if he ever needed to. His favorite way of eating Granana's snack cakes was to turn it upside down and lick the chocolate topping with his tongue. He'd then sink his teeth into it and mean to savor each bite with all of his heart, but he'd end up gobbling it all up in three bites. Each pack actually had two snack cakes and that was number one. It was time for number two. Henry watched Michael Knight run across a field in a hurry. He wasn't really paying attention. He was just trying to tune everything out and focus on what he had to do at the same time. A normal person might tell him that this was a strange way of going about it. But there was no one around to tell him such a thing. Even if there was, he wouldn't listen. 
Henry did a fantastic job at doing nothing. He could play video games at hours at a time. He could burn the day away and that's what he wanted to do. He had no aspirations. He had no goals except to maybe one day meet a nice girl. They could go to the movies together. They could eat out at all the best places. And maybe they could play video games together. That would wait, though. That had to wait. He had no other choice. Before the death tide, there was the slow tide. That slow tide of girls that showed interest in him. Henry was girl crazy. He was horny. He couldn't help but think about sex every other minute of the day. But he wasn't getting any. Why would he? He felt like a worthless tub of shit most of the time. He felt like a useless pile. He felt like nothing but a disappointment to his father. There's no one around. He was doing it again. He told himself not to think about something, and that's all he could think about. Why did that dumbass Ernie have to get himself killed like that? Sure, he was no beautiful blonde to spend the end of the world with, but he was company. He could have played cards with Ernie or showed him some of the games that he had on his laptop. Who am I kidding? Henry thought. It's probably better that he died. There's only so much food. Ernie could have been an asshole who wanted all the food for himself. Maybe even smothered Henry in his sleep. He could have been some sort of deviant and taken advantage. That was bullshit and Henry knew it. Ernie was a good guy and he didn't deserve to die the way he did. No one did. Everyone did, though. Except Henry. Henry didn't really know that for sure, but he sure as hell felt like it. He suddenly lost his appetite. He let the final half-eaten snack cake fall to his feet. He let out a sigh. I'm never getting back up that ladder, am I? What was I thinking? There's no way that Kenneth could have gotten up there either. I was perfectly safe where I was. Why am I so stupid? It wasn't true, though. Kenneth would have made it up that ladder in a heartbeat. When Kenneth was alive, he was slightly overweight, sure. But as someone in death, he found his newfound energy. He was hopping all over that elevator like a crazy daffy duck. He never tired either. He could have gone all day and all night. Henry did the right thing, and deep down he knew it. He was just giving himself a hard time like he always did. Proto, how do we get back up to the office level? Now you're thinking, he thought to himself. The elevator is the quickest route to the office level. Henry rolled his eyes. Freaking duh! Henry said, disgust in his voice. I mean, is there a way to get back to the office level that will not get me killed? Henry knew he needed to rephrase his question, but he couldn't. He was too frustrated. Please rephrase question. Henry at first didn't react. He sat there. His two hands gripped the chair seat cushion on each of his sides. He began to squeeze as hard as he could. He wanted to scream. His eyes were clenched shut and his teeth were gritted. He looked like a snarling animal. His face began to turn red. Finally, he shot up to his feet. Fully standing, he turned around and picked up his chair and hurled it across the room. His left foot squished on the snack cake. He looked down at it and cursed. God damn it! God damn it!
He jumped on the broken table and began to jump up and down over and over, shouting, Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! He kicked everything he saw on the floors, papers, old wrappers. He kicked the trash can over, the contents spilling. Henry was having a good old-fashioned temper tantrum. He hadn't had one of these in years, since he was a small kid. He could remember having one when he was with his mother. They were at the toy store. No, the toy aisle of Kmart. Henry wanted one of those big-ticket items like a Hot Wheels racetrack. Henry's mother wanted him to pick out a single Hot Wheels car so they could leave and leave soon. She had been there doing some early Christmas shopping, but she should have known better. Bring little Henry into a toy store and you had to let him pick something out. Pick one car, Henry. His mother looked beautiful. The smell of a lovely perfume emanating from her mixed with the smell of Lifesaver's candy wafting from her purse. Most of the day was spent bribing Henry, who wouldn't behave unless he was given candy. Only one. Little Henry stood on the toy aisle, facing hundreds of packaged Maxbox cars, all hanging on their pegs for display. They all looked so perfect, an excellent order to them. There was something about them. Henry knew if he had all of these right now, they would make him the happiest person on earth. They would make life perfect. He was only supposed to pick one? Was she kidding? There's no way to just pick one. Henry was six years old, standing there in his Spider-Man shirt and brown corduroy pants. He had dried snot under his nose. Henry spent a lot of his childhood crying, because if he didn't get his way, it was time to let loose the waterworks, and that usually got him what he wanted. Henry looked up and saw on the top shelf bold letters on a box. He could barely read, but he knew what the word said. Wipeout. It was the Hot Wheels Wipeout race set. He had seen the commercial many times. He imagined he was standing there with the three boys from the commercial. They were the best of friends. He imagined they would spend the entire day racing their Hot Wheels, trading them and crashing them. It would be such a fun time. When he'd snap out of one of his daydreams, he would realize that it was time for lunch or time to go home from first grade. He would totally lose track of the day when he'd go away during one of his daydreams. He loved to daydream. There was nothing better. If he could have this wipeout race set, he could invite some of the other boys to his house from school. They mostly made fun of him or altogether ignored him, but if he had this racetrack in his room, he could make friends with him fast and he wouldn't have to be lonely anymore. They didn't even have to be real. He could just imagine them. That would be enough, and having the track at home would make the illusion even easier. Little Henry pointed up at the giant box on the top shelf, and he instantly heard the answer from his mother. Henry, no. She took his pointing hand and forced it downward, pointing at one of the cars dangling on pegs. Here, an ambulance. That looks perfect. She took the car off its peg and put it into her already full basket. Henry saw this and wasn't pleased. Henry's body suddenly went limp and he fell to his back and began kicking his feet and his hands at his sides began to rhythmically bang on the floor. His hands balled up into tiny fists. He made this siren-like whiny sound that started to get the attention from other shoppers. Henry's mother's face turned beet red. She was embarrassed, but she was having none of it. Henry, stop it! Stop this right now! Henry! She grabbed his arm and yanked him up to his feet. Now he felt it. 
that humiliation. He felt the eyes of strangers peering at him. He too was embarrassed. But if he held out just a little longer, he would have that which he desired so much. He went limp again and fell to the floor. His mother again jerked him upward. She stuck her finger in his face. If you don't stop this, you get nothing. He knew that was an empty threat. He would soon have what he wanted. But Henry was wrong on this day. He had no idea that his mother had already cracked a little. Henry had no way of knowing that his mother and father had been fighting all week. His dad was never home and his mother was sick of it. When he was home, she felt like there was nothing she did that was right. She hadn't been happy in a long time. And maybe that's why she let Henry walk all over her. Maybe that's why she let him get away with stuff. Maybe making him happy was important to her. Maybe just seeing someone smile in that sad house was enough for her. Until now. Henry's mother slapped him across the face. It wasn't hard, but it made a nice clap sound that made Henry freeze. His mother had never struck him before, and he was taken aback. He was only six, but he had found many ways to manipulate her into doing what he wanted. But here she was, turning that on its head. His mommy had hit him, and everyone was watching. He could even swear that he heard a few gasps and even a few sounds of gratitude. People were relieved that someone finally shut that damn kid up. Henry felt hundreds of eyes peering at him. He saw his mother straighten up and resume her cart-pushing posture, and she began to walk forward away from the toy aisle. Henry stood for a moment. He made no sound. Tears began to fall down his face. He sobbed quietly as he followed his mother a good ten feet away. When he got home, he took the ambulance toy and threw it under his bed. He promised himself that he would never play with it in a million trillion years. Until a week later when he forgot about his grudge and unpackaged it and put it with the rest of his Hot Wheels on his shelf. Henry, now a man, or as close to a man as he ever had been, was having that same tantrum. He wasn't getting his way and he had had enough of it. He was going to kick and scream until he got what he wanted. There was no mom and there was no dad to set him straight. He was alone and he could tear this place apart if he wanted to. Henry lost his footing and fell onto the broken table like he had done earlier. His tear-soaked face stared up at the ceiling. He peered up the shaft to the upper level. He began to sob like a little boy. He was stuck down here, but his stuff was up there. His life of luxury, his movies, his games, his food... He was going to die down here. He might as well call up the elevator and let dead Ernie and Kenneth rip him to pieces. He immediately shut that thought out of his head. If his mom were here, she would find him a way upstairs. Shut up, Henry! If dad was here, he would... Shut up, Henry! Henry decided to stay there on that broken table for a while. He would lie there and wait until something happened. He would sit here and stare up at that black shaft that went upwards to freedom. He could count the rungs on the ladder, decide how many it took to get to the top. He could wonder what that red button was at the bottom of the ladder. That red button. What was that red button for? Why was it right there next to the bottom rung of the ladder? The final one before the hole in the ceiling started. There were words next to the button, but Henry couldn't read them from the floor. 
He stood up without taking his eyes off that shiny red button. He squinted, trying to get a closer look. What does it say? R-E-T-R. It says retract. It's a retractable ladder. He couldn't reach the button from where he stood, but he could possibly reach it with something. He went over to the supply closet and grabbed the mop. He pointed the handle end at the button and shoved forward, missing several times, trying to gain some balance and aim. He finally hit the button and with a loud clang, extra ladder rungs on two poles fell from the ceiling with a heavy thud. He had done it. He had a way up. He was going to get out of there. He threw the mop aside and cheered to himself. He raised his fist at his victory and began to start up the ladder, but then stopped himself. He needed the supplies that were down there. He needed to take the food and take the soft drinks. He wanted to be sure all of this wasn't for nothing. He had to make sure he got his precious snack cakes and sodas. 4. Soon Henry had fashioned the hose that resided in the closet around his waist. He had tied the other end to the mop bucket. He had filled the bucket with as many drinks as he could. He even took stuff like Fanta and Mr. Pibb, which he hated. He figured he might as well take everything. If he became desperate, he might want to drink anything. He had about 20 packs of Granana snack cakes, both chocolate and iced vanilla. There were also lots of chips like Fritos, Cheetos, and Smart Food, which was a white cheddar-coated popcorn. He guessed that would do in a pinch during a snack frenzy. There were also plenty of candies like Skittles, M&Ms, and Kit Kat. He pulled each snack item out of the machine very carefully making sure to shake off any glass particles. Soon the bucket was full, and he found a duffel bag in one of the employee lockers. It was either Andrew's or Ernie's. It didn't matter. He dumped out the contents and began filling it with O. Henry's and score bars. Just a little more, he thought. He knew it was a lot of weight, but he could make it up to the top and then pull it up. He kept pushing that back in his mind but he knew deep down that the hose was not long enough. He would have to start pulling the weight of it all probably past the halfway point. Henry would have to ignore his throbbing foot and his aching back. He would have to ignore the fear that he felt to get up that ladder. Honestly, he didn't know if he could make it back up that steep ladder while dragging that weight under him. He was out of shape, but he was young. At least he had that going for him. Henry stuck the fabric-woven handles of the duffel bag over his shoulder. He put his left arm through the straps and took one step up. He needed to remember not to look down and just take one step at a time. When he got up to the top, he could take as long as he wanted to rest. He could rest for the rest of his life if that's what it took. He could spoil himself on junk food and TV shows. He could spend the rest of his days bedridden, stuffing his gob full of snacks and jerking off to Dana Plato on different strokes reruns, the later years when she was in college. He just needed to get up that goddamn ladder. Henry began to climb. When Henry was a little past the halfway point, he felt a tug on the hose around his waist. Damn, he was going to have to lug those drinks at least 20 steps, give or take. Henry started to think about dumping it all. He would just get them later, after he had rested. But that would blow the whole plan of never going back down there again. What would the big deal be to go back down there from time to time? No, he wanted to stick with his plan. He would get to the top and hoist everything up and he would be happy. He would be well stocked for a long time and he wouldn't have to worry about anything anymore. 
He took another step and another. He started grunting. The bucket was ridiculously heavy. What was he thinking weighing it down so heavily? If he dropped the bucket, he would still have the snacks. He could ration his diet zolts and begin to drink water. Hell, he knew that water was probably the best thing for him anyway. It would probably do him some good. Hell, if he was going to start thinking about what was good for him, he would drop everything, the bucket and the duffel bag. He didn't need any of this shit. But he did need it. How many days had he been alone already? What, one? Yes, one day. He was going to need something to make him happy if he was going to be stuck up here all by himself, or maybe the best thing for him would be to die trying. Yes, to lose his balance, to lose altogether, to let go of the rung and fall to his death. Hopefully he would snap his neck and it would be all over with no lingering pain. He wouldn't have to bother with the part where he got really lonely and suicidal. He wouldn't have to worry about longing for companionship because he had already spent the better part of his life doing that exact thing. If only he could have brought Jenna up here with him. If only he could have brought April up here with him. Henry could have showed them what a man he was. Oh, it's both of them now in this scenario? Henry and Jenna and April all playing house in the tower. How long until they decided to deflower him and show their affection towards him? Who is he trying to fool? They probably would fall in love with each other and smother Henry in his sleep. Why did all of his fantasies end with him being smothered in his sleep? Maybe it was best that way, to go out dreaming. Henry took another step. The green hose was tight like a guitar string pointing straight down from his waist. Henry grunted and took another step, then another. Henry made sure not to take his eyes off of his two hands. He would reach up one rung with his right hand and then reach up with his left. He tried to breathe slow. He tried not to panic. All it took was one moment to think about what he was doing and he might lose it. He wasn't going to lose it. He was going to keep it together. Another step. Sweat was beating on his forehead. Another step. He could feel the sweat running down his side from his armpit. Another step. He almost tilted his head upward and looked, but no, not yet. You have to earn it, Henry. A little bit of labored breathing, another step, and another. He was almost there. He decided to take one glance upward against his better judgment. There he saw only five more steps of the ladder. He almost lost concentration and slipped, but he gripped his right sweaty hand harder. He wanted badly to wipe his hands on his side, but he feared he couldn't hold the weight under him long enough to do so. He was almost there. He could make it. Another step and another. He was breathing hard now. His hands felt wetter and wetter. He could feel wet all over. The sweat was dripping down his face, down his sides. When Henry made it to the top, he had to push his head through the hole by doing the world's hardest chin-up. He let out a grunt of pain as he felt the muscles in his arms burn. He held there for a moment, looking around for something to grab onto. There was nothing. Soon he would have to give way to the weight under him and fall back into the hole. He had made it this far just to fail? No. He didn't want to fall and he didn't want to die. He wanted this. He wanted to survive and live here in this tower. He wanted to eat the food and drink the drinks and keep on breathing. 
Henry grabbed into the carpet, his fingers sinking into the threads like an octopus gripping a sea urchin. He felt his fingernails tearing and he didn't care. He pulled with all of his might. He pulled and slowly crawled out of the hole. The weight of that stupid bucket was pulling at his waist so hard he felt like it was going to rip his body in half. But he didn't stop. He was primordial ooze crawling out of the muck. He was Andy Dufresne crawling through a pipeline of shit. He was going to make it and he wasn't going to be denied. Henry made it to one of the legs of the heavy table and made sure to crawl around it. He had enough leverage now to lay on his back and pull. He pulled at the hose. He had the adrenaline now. He better not stop or he was going to drop his prize. Hand over hand, he pulled, and then he felt the bucket hit the side of the hatch. He made one final pull, and the bucket was yanked home, toppling over on the floor. Several cans rolled in different directions, and even one rolled right to Henry's face. He felt the coldness on his cheek, and he liked it. This was his reward. He let a faint smile creep across his face, but he was overcome with a lack of breath. Henry lay there and stared at the underneath of the table, waiting for the moment when he knew to begin again. End of chapter Dead Ahead Written and narrated by Jason Wallstrom Music by Terry Wallstrom Visit me at thejstrom.com Contact me nimpodcast at gmail.com The story continues Casting. 